0: to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: The ark was God's provision for Noah as Christ is God's provision for sinners. The goodness of God is really seen in the fact that he has made provision. You know, think about that. I mean, Do we ever stop and realize that God was under no obligation whatsoever to save anybody?
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Genesis, chapter 6 through 9, in a message titled, Noah, the Ark, and Christ. Now, here's Pastor Brian.
1: The primary theme of Scripture is redemption through Christ. In the epistle to the Hebrews, the author attributes these words from the Psalms to Christ. Behold, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. Jesus said something similar when speaking to the Pharisees. He said, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have life, but these are they which testify of me. And so in those two passages, we are told really that all of scripture, the scripture in its entirety is Primarily about Christ and specifically about his redemption. God said through the prophet Hosea that he spoke through symbols or through types. And since God spoke through symbols or types, we shouldn't be surprised that the Old Testament is filled with pictures that speak to us of Christ. You know, of course, as we read through the scriptures and as we read through the Old Testament, there is that, that clear message that is, is there for our understanding. But, you know, the scriptures are interesting. They're, they seem to be multi-layered. And there is that, that plain and obvious uh, meaning and yet quite often, if you go a little bit deeper, you will find that there are some wonderful treasures there for us. And all throughout the Old Testament, the Lord speaks to us in, in what we would call a typologies. And a typology is where God takes a person or a thing or an event, and through that person, thing, or event, he communicates another aspect of his grace, of his love, of his salvation. One of those pictures is found in the ark that delivered Noah and his family from judgment and destruction. One commentator said this. He said, in the ark, we have one of the clearest and most comprehensive types of the believer's salvation in Christ. And I agree with him. And I think as we take a few minutes and sort of delve into this, uh, we'll find it quite fascinating that the very ark itself and the things that transpired around the ark with Noah and and God's dealing with him, that there's, um, I wouldn't say a deeper message, but in a sense, there's a fuller message there regarding Christ's salvation. So let's look together at some of the different ways that the ark was a type of Christ. God had said to Noah, he said, the end of all flesh has come before me. Make for yourself an ark. And the first thing that I want you to notice is that the ark was a divine provision. God was the one who instructed Noah to make the ark. Before the flood came, before the ark was made, a means of escape for his own people already existed in the mind of God. And so, too, with Christ as our Savior, Christ saving us or or coming as our Savior was no afterthought. It wasn't something that God came up with as a result of things going wrong but it was something that God had already planned for. The scripture refers to Christ as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. The lamb slain before the foundation of the world, before the world was ever made, before we were ever created, before the first man and woman were ever formed and and God breathed life into Adam, before any of that happened, It was already planned and ordained in the mind of God that Christ would come, that he would suffer, and that he would die. And so the ark was God's provision for Noah as Christ is God's provision for sinners. The goodness of God is really seen in the fact that he has made provision. You know, think about that. I mean, you know, I I think most of us in, in here have received the Lord's salvation, and I would assume that having received it, we're thankful for it. But do we ever stop and realize that God was under no obligation whatsoever to save anybody? We were in a state of rebellion. We were in a state of hostility, The Bible refers to us as being the enemies of God at enmity with him, and and we were the aggressive part in that conflict. We we were the aggressive ones in our rebellion against him. But we see the goodness of God in that he made provision for wicked, rebellious men and women to return to him. I think of that wonderful invitation in Isaiah. Isaiah. Isaiah 55, verse seven, says this, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord. Isn't that astounding? This This is God's invitation. What is God's heart toward the wicked? Now, as we studied the flood and all of that, of course, we saw that at one time in history, God obliterated the human race with the exception of eight people, But there was a long period of time in which God was forbearing with the sin of the people. Remember, it was a 120-year period in which Noah was constructing the ark. And uh, the book of Hebrews tells us that Noah wasn't simply just building the ark. While he was building it, he was preaching. And what, what was he preaching? I'm sure he was preaching that God was going to judge the people, but also he was inviting them to turn away from their sin. And this is the heart of God, amazingly, towards sinners. It isn't to immediately judge. It isn't to hastily just, you know, wipe out the wicked and the rebellious. God has that that heart, and this is where we see his goodness. He's always extending the invitation to the wicked to forsake his way and to the unrighteous to come back to the Lord. And as you go on in that passage, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord. And then it goes on and it says this, for he will abundantly pardon. That's an astounding thing as well. God's pardon isn't just a a little bit of a pardon. It's an abundant pardon. When God forgives our sins, he forgives them thoroughly and completely, and he brings us back in and he blesses us. You know, think about this ark for a moment. We read in the, in the story that we read over last time that the Lord called Noah to go into the ark and that Noah and his family sat in the ark for seven days. And then at a, at a particular moment, it says, And the Lord shut them in, and the rain began to fall. You know, I was thinking about that. And what it seems had been the case is that for seven days, Noah sat there in the ark with his family, waiting for the rain to come. There was no rain for seven days. The door of the ark was open, and I would think that in that, God was extending an invitation. Anybody that wanted to could have come into the ark and been delivered. Of course, the sad thing is nobody else did. But it seems to me that that seven-day period, sometimes as I've read through it, I wondered, well, you know, why was there that seven-day period? Could it have been just a further extension of grace? God had already given man 120 years with no repentance, but in his reluctance to judge, in his desire to bless and to show mercy, he extends the opportunity seven more days. And so we see that the ark was a provision by God for deliverance from judgment. The second thing is that the ark was a refuge from that judgment. The ark was a refuge. The ark of Noah was a place of safety. It was the only place of deliverance from the wrath to come. And in that, again, it speaks to us of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only savior of lost sinners. Just as the ark was the only way to be saved or delivered from that judgment, so today Christ alone, he alone is the only way that men can be delivered from divine judgment. Somebody asked me recently about how to respond to those who claim Buddha or Muhammad as legitimate alternatives to Christ for salvation. Apparently, they were in conversation with somebody, and, you know, somebody said to them, well, you know, why do I need Jesus, or why would I go to Jesus? I could just as easily go for salvation through Buddha or Muhammad. And so they asked me, how do I respond? The answer is this, neither Buddha nor Muhammad claim to be able to save anyone, That's the the misconception a lot of people have. Buddha never offered anybody salvation. He presented uh, a way of life that that one might, you know, try to attain to in order to free themselves of desire and, you know, ultimately gain peace and so forth. And, And of course, Muhammad didn't in any way, shape, or form present himself as a savior. So, There are no viable alternatives to salvation. The Bible says there is only one name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved. Just as there was only one ark, there wasn't another avenue, there wasn't some other means that a man could avail himself of in order to be delivered from the judgment of the flood. It was the ark or it was nothing, and so likewise today, it's Christ or it's nothing. There are no options. There are no other alternatives. And even though we live in, you know, a, a culture that's emphasizing pluralism and, you know, it's, it's very politically incorrect to say that there's only one right religion or there's only one way to God, that's what the Bible says. That's what the scriptures say. That's what they've always said. That's what they're gonna keep on saying. And and that's what we're gonna keep on communicating because there's only one means of deliverance and refuge from divine judgment, and that is Jesus Christ. Thirdly, the ark was a place of absolute security. You know, again, in thinking about this whole experience of Noah, you know, sometimes it's good to just sort of sit down and let your imagination go on some of these things. That's the virtue of a biblical meditation. You can take time and you can, you know, not just read over a passage, but really start thinking about the implications of it. But, you know, as I was thinking about, you know, just Noah and his family in this, in this ark during this, you know, this flood, this deluge, this thing that was, you know, nothing like it ever in history. And can you imagine, I mean, in in one sense, it must have been very, very horrifying. In one sense, it must have been very frightening to think that you and you alone were surviving this thing. And to just be out tossed on the sea, the whole globe is covered with water. There is no dry ground. There is no place to dock. And, And there you are. But that's That's where Noah and his family were, but it was the place of safety. Remember, God had put them in there, and the great thing you remember also, perhaps, is that when God instructs Noah about entering the ark, he doesn't say to Noah, Noah, go into the ark, and I'll see you later. (laughs) Hope you make it. (laughs) What does he say? He says, Noah, come into the ark. Uh, of course implying that his presence is going to be there so the ark was a refuge from divine judgment and again or it was a it was a place of absolute security and one of the things that that secured the ark was the fact that it was covered inside and outside with pitch so having been covered inside and outside with pitch, that would make it thoroughly watertight, so no matter how hard it rained or how high the waters rose, all inside would be secure and Again, in that we have somewhat of a picture of Christ. the righteousness of Christ is impenetrable there 's no judgment that can break through, and as we as as believers are Where are we? According to the New Testament, Paul oftentimes refers to us as being in Christ. And and being in Christ, we are completely secure against the wrath of God. Jesus said it this way. He said, whoever believes in me will not experience judgment, but has passed already from death into life. Isn't that a glorious thing? There is a judgment that's coming. There's no question about it. Of course, it's appointed to men to die, and after that, the judgment. But there's a day when God is gonna judge the world for its wickedness, and yet those who are in Christ have the absolute confidence and total security that that judgment is something that will have no bearing upon them whatsoever. That's great news. That is so glorious to know that when the judgment comes, it won't touch me. Why? Because I'm safe in Christ. The New Testament refers to Jesus as a propitiation. And as a propitiation, what that is really speaking of is that Christ completely satisfied the just demands of God's law by bearing in his own body the wrath of God towards sin. We live in a time when, if there is talk of God or some sort of openness to there being a God, of course, He's a God of love. Uh, You know, a God of judgment is out of the question. A God of judgment that, you know, we don't even want to hear about anything like that, many would say today. But the biblical picture of God is well, of course, He's a God of love, but He's also a God who's absolutely righteous. He's a God who loves, he loves so much, he loves what is right and he hates what is evil. And so with that in mind, God has to punish sin and he did punish sin, he punished it when Jesus died. Jesus was bearing our sin and he was receiving the wrath of God and therefore, when the judgment falls, when the judgment comes, It will not touch those of us who are in Christ. And also, just as Noah was actually shut in the ark by God himself, the Bible tells us that it is of God that we are in Christ. Isn't that amazing? Paul says that to the Corinthians. He says, it is of God that you are in Christ. Just like God put Noah in the ark, So, God has put us in Christ. And God has not only put us in Christ, but what else has He done? God, having put us in Christ, the Bible tells us that God has sealed us with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. So, here's the wonderful reality just as the ark was a place of absolute security, so Christ is a place of absolute security. You are absolutely secure. In Christ, nothing can happen to you. No judgment can come your way. There's no way you can get lost. You're, you're in Christ. As Paul, in, in speaking to the Colossians, he says, regarding our life, he says, your life is hidden in Christ with God. So that's where our life is. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, we shall then also appear with him in glory. So we have that same kind of security that, that Noah had being preserved and guarded and kept through the flood of judgment, so we are being preserved, guarded, and kept. Remember what Jesus said? He said regarding his sheep, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, nor shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them from my father's hand. Do you realize tonight the security that you have in Christ? Many Christians live in fear. Many Christians live with anxiety that, you know, maybe somehow they're they're not going to make it. You know, it's easy sometimes. You look at yourself and you think, (laughs) you know, I'm terrible. I'm disgusting. I've been a Christian for so long and I still have all of these blemishes spiritually. I still have a bad attitude a lot of times. I'm still unthankful. I can still get mean. I can still argue with my wonderful wife who should never be argued with. You know, sometimes, you know, in just looking at yourself honestly, you just think, Lord, I, I could understand if at a certain point you just said, I'm tired of it, <laughs> you know, sorry, you, you didn't make it. But to know the, the wonderful truth that we're in Christ, and although we might see that regarding ourselves and all those other, uh, others might look at us and see those things as well, you know how God sees us when he looks at us? He sees us in Christ, And as Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter one, verse six, he says, you remember there, he says that you have been made accepted in the beloved. I am so glad that when God looks at me, he doesn't see me, he sees Jesus. And with the acceptance that, that Christ has before the Father, I have that same acceptance. You have that same acceptance. That's the security that we have. As Jesus said, I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. He's got us. Just as Noah was secure in the ark and God brought him through the flood onto the other side, so we are secure in Christ. Fourthly, the ark foreshadowed redemption through the blood of Christ. Now, here's an interesting thing that I noticed Remember when Adam and Eve sinned and you remember their attempt to cover their sin was through putting on uh, the fig leaves. They, They tried to cover their own sin. And you remember what God did? The fig leaves were unacceptable. The fig leaves did not cover their sin. So what did God do? It says that God provided them coats of skin.
0: Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, The Air We Breathe, How We All Came to Believe in Freedom, Progress, Kindness, and Equality by Glenn Scrivener. Western culture is characterized by particular values, whether it's the value of equality when it comes to social injustice, race, or gender, or whether it's the value of freedom regarding local laws or presidential elections. Many of our most cherished values find their historical roots in the Jesus Revolution, also known as Christianity. In his book, The Air We Breathe, Glenn Scrivener traces the history of seven different values that are commonly held in Western culture that their origins have gone unnoticed but find their beginnings in Christianity itself. He will take you through history from the beginnings in Genesis up to George Floyd to present his case. This book will open your eyes how Christianity shaped our values of both Christians and non-Christians alike. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order The Air We Breathe, How We All Came to Believe in Freedom, Kindness, Progress, and Equality by Glenn Scrivener. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you